what I can, crying when I must, laughing when I choose. Hi ho, if love were all, I would be lonely. Oh, hello, everyone, and welcome to a new edition of In Conversation with. Uh, the occasion uh, today is the uh, retrospective uh, of Judy Garland uh, currently on uh, at the BFI. Uh, it's a hundred years after her birth and it's Judy reborn, we're told. Uh, so I was very excited by the program and I wanted to talk to someone about it. <laughs> so, and when I think of Judy Garland, I think of, of stars, of musicals, of entertainment and utopia, uh, of gays in film. Uh, Judy Garland and gay men, uh, of authenticity, uh, or the evocation of authenticity and performance, uh, of so camp as to keep us going, uh, of all the sad young men, uh, of whiteness, and then, of course, there's all those other pastiches and drag versions and so on of Judy. So one can't help but think of pastiche as well. Which is to say that when I think of Judy Garland, I think of Richard Dyer. Uh, and it's a great pleasure to be able to talk to him about uh, Judy Garland uh, in what follows. Uh, this is not a formal interview. Uh, it's not uh, intellectual or academic, uh, I want you to really see it as, as two old friends, quite knowledgeable on the subject, uh, he more than anyone, uh, talking about the significance of Judy Garland uh, that is one once more sparked uh, through this retrospective uh, currently taking place uh, at the BFI. So, yeah, so hello. Uh, and apologies in advance, right? Uh, what you're seeing is a kind of unadorned Zoom call. Yeah, I didn't want to texture it in with lots of images or clips. I wanted the focus uh, to be on the conversation. Uh, but it's a Zoom call, so be warned that at a certain point, kind of, it will just dissolve and just lead into uh, a Judy Garland song, which is uh, where we'll end. Uh, so be forewarned. Uh, hello, Richard. To, to talk about the season uh, right. of BFI. Yeah. Right. So it's entitled like uh, 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 Judy Garland's 100th anniversary, A Star Reborn. Right. And, you know, I thought you'd be the ideal person to talk to about, you know, the continued significance of Judy Garland as a star in right. its various dimensions. So I just wanted you know, to begin with any initial thoughts that you have about the season itself? Uh, not particularly. I mean, I'm, uh, no, I didn't, I didn't, I certainly didn't think, oh, why didn't they approach me or anything like that? Um, and no, I mean, I've been to a few things. I don't, I mean, it seemed, I mean, I always feel it's a shame that they don't do complete seasons of whatever yeah. it is they're doing. It's always a selection. Um, but, you know, I can't, can't really fault the selections. Nothing mm. obvious missing. Um, 
so I don't have any particular feelings about it. I'm sorry. No, that's all right. I kind of, you know, I wasn't. But I just one thing though. I find this actually came up in conversation on Saturday when I was there with one or two people who said something similar to what you just said, and about how in general the season has not, has not. I don't know if he's even mentioned the sort of gay following and so why and I and I have to admit I thought well I I almost want to rescue Judy Garland from the and it's a bit extreme that I put it that way but I think she, seeing the films again after some some time really I think well she is just extraordinary um, as a performer and I sometimes think that the problem with cultural studies generally not just sort of gay readings is it's kind of it it is it it's liable to to kind of turn it into a sociological interest mm -hmm. rather than appreciating the kind of extraordinary cultural achievement of of someone like her. Yes, um, so I'm quite happy that, that that's kind of the emphasis of the season. Yes, I'm 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 torn. Right. So mm -hmm. so for example, uh, I remember teaching. Uh, you know, some of her films, Meet Me in St. Louis, or A Star Is Born, or you know. Uh, 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 the Wizard of Oz, right. and always kind of feeling that I somehow have to insist that, you know, along with Betty Davis and Greer Garson, she was the biggest star of the war years, the biggest female right. star of the war years, right? Yeah. It yes. wasn't a gay thing only, yeah, right? Absolutely, right. yes, yeah. Because yeah. there is this, this assumption that somehow she's only of interest. Yes. Yeah. So, so, so I've always felt I had to kind of insist on, on that. But now I feel almost kind of you know the other way around yeah that it is odd for a major season at a major kind of you know the national film institution to not broach that aspect that actually is not only crucial to an understanding of you know changes in her star persona right because they can all be periodized yes um you know but that are actually you know an essential part of a gay cultural history yeah kind yes. of whatever you might feel about judy garland individually kind of you know historically she has been a kind of a oh, absolutely woman. yes <laughs> yes no i think that is true um yes i mean maybe they should have done something and a lot of the even a lot of the coverage uh, hasn't really emphasized that i mean i i did an interview with someone in for the Entertainment Weekly, and that was very much she wanted to talk about uh, what you know the gay following and what why it was and all that sort of thing. But uh, certainly the press coverage here has seemed to have taken the BFI line that we just talk about her as a great star and and so on, and we don't really and they sort of mention it in passing. In fact, still with that slight feeling of it's a, cur a curiosity. Mm. Uh, when when you think how now how mainstream sort of LGBT things are, mm. uh, it's sort of odd in a way to still be in that mindset of well, it's just a bit of an oddity about I mean, it. I, I can see that, but but then I have also the other feeling. I'm like you talk because I have the other feeling, which I when I taught ever to Judy Garland, I think I barely mentioned the fact that there, there was this gay following because I was so much wanting wanting people to think she wasn't. I suppose this could be a kind of res residual self-hatred or something but <laughs> but you know almost all say she isn't only of interest again but she's even more than that sort of thing yeah. you know i mean i do and i do think and and increasingly over time that 
you know, she is increasingly extraordinary to me as an artist, right? Mm -hmm. And right. that has always been the thing. I remember this anecdote, I was reading some Spencer Tracy biography and, you know, uh, 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 someone asked the screenwriter, you know, who is the greatest actress in the lot at MGM? And he said, Judy Garland and Mayor Fireman yeah. is the correct answer of Carbo, right? <laughs> <laughs> what insight he had <laughs> yes so, yes. So, so i do think that you know those things should be celebrated i mean there's that incident uh, in meet me in st louis right the dance at the end yes she just gets laughs out of thin air out of like reactions right it's quite yes. extraordinary really yes you know, yeah do those things um i suppose the other thing is that um it's very hard to rescue her in general and also the gay response to her from the idea that it's all about suffering and neurosis and so on. And yes, of course, that is kind of important. But when again, when you go back to the films, even me, even uh, Star is Born, but certainly that before the films before 1950, yes, there is a sort of, there's an emotionality and the vulnerability and all of that is sort of there. But there is a kind of magic and a glow, and she's gorgeous too. I mean, I was thinking all this stuff about she wasn't very pretty. Well, I'd love to be not as pretty as her, you know. I mean, yes. God, you know. Uh, so yes, okay, she wasn't kind of she wasn't Ava Gardner, mm. but nonetheless, you know, she, I, I just and I, so I just think again, given that they can't do everything in the National Film Theatre, I'm quite glad that there's a sense of cherishing her mm. as 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 a kind of glowing star presence. Yes, um, I, I do think that that aspect uh, uh, needs, well, does it need further underlining? I mean, everyone knows she's great. The question is, how is she so? Well, you and I know, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but I just, I just sort of worry that perhaps other people don't know that um. only know. And I, have, I never saw the film with the Rennie Zellweger. I, I just couldn't bring myself to see it actually but I thought oh why does it have to be focused on that moment I gather it's focused on that sort of last 10 yes, moments and so, on. Um, and, uh, so I, I couldn't sort of quite bring I quite don't like René Zellweger anyway but that was a you know so but actually one of the things about the NFT season which is interesting is that uh, there's certainly the screenings I've been to has been a lot of younger people it hasn't mm -hmm. been kind of the old crowd who do know as it were, and who seem to be enjoying it, these younger people. So that's good. Yes. I mean, I, I was, well, one of the things that kind of, I, you know, that prompted my desire to uh, talk to you about this was really because, you know, recently she seems more in the culture than ever, really, or at least since I've been growing up, mm. right? There was that Broadway show, The End of the Rainbow, which also dealt with, you know, right. Uh, the last stages and the drugs and so on. Uh, there was the Rufus Wainwright reconstruction of the yes, yes, concert. Yeah. You know, uh, there was the film. Uh, uh, um, you know, uh, Wizard of Oz and Meet Me in St. Louis and Easter Parade are holiday staple. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. she's not like other people that have just kind of disappeared. I was thinking, and this is more from a gay context. I was thinking it was interesting in a way to compare kind of, you know, your writing on Lana Turner and Judy Garland, because kind of Lana Turner seems to have disappeared from the culture in a way. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. And yes. yeah. And, and so 
and, and Garland has it, yeah? Yes. Yeah. And, and the ways that she's of interest changes. Yeah. There's that Susie Boyd book, I don't know if you know it. Yes, yeah. 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 I, don't know, I haven't read it actually, but I know, I know about it, yeah. yeah. Um, I was actually on a radio program with her as well. Yes. Uh, at the time of the, the, re the most recent Star is Born. It's a wonderful, it's a wonderful book and it's very interesting because it connects to a lot of the things that you've written about in relation to Garland and gay man, right? So uh, uh, Susie Boyd's boyfriend commits suicide, she's going through a depression, a terrible depression, and actually it's just watching the Judy Garland show over and over and over again, that yes. Alice Manic or, yeah, that becomes a way out of that hole for her. Yeah. Right, and right. So that's yes. so interesting in relation yes. to yeah, kind of what's been written about. But I remember when I was originally working on, because I wrote a very short piece, it never got published, while she was still alive, actually. Um, oh, that can't, can't be true, but it wasn't long after she died, um, which was all about, and, and I remember then there were lots of stories in the press, like a, a woman who learned, who was sort of had been, with legs, I don't know, she, she had problems. She was, she had her legs damaged and she, she had difficulty walking. And it was listening to Judy, keeping going in spite of everything that inspired her to learn to walk again. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's it's very interesting that it's, it's quite wide. Um, the, it's not, it's not it, and another, again, is this, is this internal homophobia, but it's not just gay men. Yes. Uh, it, it's a kind of whole range of people who, yeah. might, who might respond to that element in her. Yeah, I mean, I also, you know, I get you, but I also don't understand why those things can't go together. You know, why in a retrospective of a star's career or a consideration of the significance at this particular cultural moment, yeah, the significance in the culture at large and also the significance, you know, to gay culture as part of that larger culture at large. Well, yes, and I mean, I... <laughs> I think I mean I'm I'm interested. You're, I mean you're you're convincing me in in the sense that you, it may well be that it's after all the gay take up of it that has kept it going mm. and that has kept kept making that available and has articulated what was there because after all who knows what gay people or anybody thought about Judy Garland before 1950? Well, we just don't have any evidence about that. At least I don't know about it. If we do. So whether anyone ever perceived her like that really before, uh, before the kind of gay take up and the gay articulation of that, yes. which, so, which then makes that available to all sorts of other people who might perceive that in her. Yes, and even the gay take up thing I think is interesting. So for example, I think in one of your pieces on her, you suggested, you know, that really developed after 1950. Yeah. Yeah, when she left MGM after the suicide attempt and then kind of, uh, you know, gay men, or mm. have evidence that gay men took a particular interest in her. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, gay men could very well have taken a particular interest in her before. Absolutely, you know, no, I'm uh, sure. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I do increasingly think that. I think that's absolutely right. Um, and and that, but absolutely, that sense of emotional, I was thinking about it, it's emotional, it's both intensity and vulnerability together. Yes, is kind of you know we in that period you know we had all that churning inside us. Well, we must have done. That. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean uh, if, uh, um, and and that you could have responded to that. And you know there is a wider history of gay men liking musicals and gay men liking 
movie stars and so so it's very feasible it's just that we don't have anything any precise uh, information about that uh, there may well be maybe one you know now it's so easy maybe someone should run a sort of search uh, you know these like on these wait there's all these so many things are online and many books are online even and uh, you know like i did recently did the whole thing about reference to classical music in fact in popular fiction well in fiction generally a gay centered or well, gay fiction or not just written by gay people and it was because it was very easy just you just go to there's so many of these books even books that are not canonical or famous or, or not considered important you just go there and you put in Chopin and up you come with references so maybe you know if someone will just sit down for a few weeks and work their way through all the likely candidates they might come up with lots of evidence mm. but i don't know if anyone has actually done that mm. i wonder if uh, you know she was a significant figure to your own coming out into gay culture. oh god absolutely uh. Uh, she i would almost say i learned to be gay by learning to love judy garland uh. and almost <laughs> like i thought that's how you that's how that that's well with that and camp as well I thought, uh -huh. I thought that's kind of what you had to do uh -huh. um so although it was about desiring men uh nonetheless the, the my the, i actually dedicated my chapter to this michael walker mm. um who was uh, who ran a who ran a coffee bar in um south london which is where i grew up uh, uh and it was and he had been in the theater and it was he co-ran it with a friend but um, who I saw was also very fond of a woman, uh, but uh, he was gay and he kind of almost like inducted me into the sort of gay, the sort of gay relationship to showbiz with the special place of Judy Garland in there. <laughs> uh, so it was really, really crucial. And that's, and you know, that feeling of it was a kind of reference point. And a, there was, it was almost that there was something more to share than simply saying, I fancy that man or something. There mm -hmm. was almost a whole other realm to share. And when the when there was the the um, restored version of uh, A Star Is Born, uh, it was shown at the, at the London Film Festival, which I never used to, and I still don't. I never go to the London Film Festival, but I did get tickets for that and took Michael, uh, who was quite a lot older than me. I mean, he was about twenty years older than me, I, and I took him to that. So it's like, almost like a kind of sealing the kind of importance of this so no she was absolutely you know absolutely crucial not though in, i mean i was of course upset about her death but i can't say that the the relation of her to gay liberation uh, which is often claimed um uh, that didn't i mean i learned about that i, I didn't i didn't experience it at the time mm. but i guess i was living in london and not experiencing well, I was in some broad sense experiencing gay oppression, but I wasn't kind of going to bars and being sort of beaten up or mm. arrested. Or, so I didn't have, there was nothing kind of that thing, the kind of thing which really triggered the connection in the weeks after her death. So it was only later, really in a way, partly through um, the gay sweatshop play as time goes by. And uh, the person in that, Again, I didn't point this out, but actually the person who played the drag queen in that was a friend of mine. Um, and it, you know, and he gave he wrote this speech about how important gay, uh, how important having Judy Garland was, and how and he sort of relates that then to um gay liberation. 
uh, and, and through his experience. And, but I don't remember, I don't, I didn't personally experience it that directly. Mm. That, it was much, well, because I'm just that bit older, I suppose, really. Oh. Yeah. yeah. When did the term a friend of Dorothy come into use? I don't know. And <laughs> it always, and, and it, it surprised me when I first learnt it, partly because in, at the, the Wizard of Oz was never an important film to me. Mm. Um, I, I don't know why. I mean, I saw it. I didn't see it till I was about 12. Not, I don't know quite know why I didn't, um, but it wasn't the film of my childhood, really. So I was almost a bit too old to see it when I first saw it. So I didn't see it as a, quite as a child. Mm. Uh, I mean, 12 is a child, but nonetheless, you know, it's... Um, so it was never that important to me as a film. Uh, and so it quite surprised me when it suddenly that was the, I mean, I accept, of course, that is her most um, historically most important film, as it were. But um, the, uh, it, I don't know when that term first came in, I'm afraid. Mm. But it surprised me the first time I heard it. Yes. I think I came across it in, I, it might have even been a novel, like Faggots or something like that. Where someone goes into an S and M bar and says, "Oh, I don't think we're in Kansas anymore." <laughs> oh, right, right. <laughs> I love that bit. Yeah. And there was that, that. I love that. There's that um, port, sort of porno postcard, yeah. which is her saying that, and then these men in leather and all the rest yeah. of it. <laughs> um, so I know that a star is born and meet me in St. Louis are favorites of yours. You've written uh, on them very. Uh, substantially and considerably but what you know just what are favorite moments what are what are moments from you know uh different films that have had a, a particular significance or, you, or that you think of a special perhaps because of her artistry in you know, conveying yes i mean it's, i was thinking because i mean i think a lot of the films you know you have to sit through quite a lot in order to get to the good bits um i mean in terms of absolute extraordinary artistry then i mean it's very banal we say it but but get happy yes. uh, from the end of summer stock i mean i again i saw that just in the season here and i was i thought because this it's so it's so consummate and it's partly in its editing and mm. choreography but also in her performance the security of and the one of the things i think is extraordinary about her is her ability to um to respond to a song and she responds melodically with her with her yes. movements but she also it, it pays attention to the words but she can also be doing something else so in that number there are certain points at which the sort of the choreography has the men sort of leaping towards her and she goes oh what are you yeah. doing oh my goodness or, or kind of a special sense i mean like oh for goodness sake you know it's very it's very witty yes and that goes all alongside it and i think that ability to do to, to sort of like at the end of this wonderful at the end of the trolley song in, in St. Louis, that sudden she's suddenly sort of she's all exhilarated. Then suddenly there's the embarrassment of the oh. boy next door. So she keeps the song going yeah. whilst at the same time having that. So, I mean, I think that's a wonderful quality of hers. I mean, but I particularly like her singing sad songs. I have to my and like I think that's the supreme moment for me is in um, singing, but not for me mm. in. Uh, girl crazy uh, I, I mean it's so and but I mean it's partly there's also just an incredible cut apart from everything else because she sings this actually quite amusing little intro about I mean you start that but you know don't don't start 
it's giving me comforting words. Uh, I'm fed up with all the Pollyanna and all that sort of thing. And then there's this cut to above and um, and she looks so gorgeous, those, those big eyes and that soft mouth and, and then sings, of course, it is such a beautiful song, but she, it is so, it's so tender and touching uh, um, that, I mean, I, I absolutely, it's a, a magical moment, absolutely. Uh, and so there are other moments that I, I'm always chasing rainbows in Siegfeld Girl, which they're not showing and which is a really interesting film, I think. Mm. Um, and fascinating because of the contrast between her and Judy Garland and Hedy Lamarr. Um, and even there was a little bit which I, I because I was, I, I had tickets to go and see um, Listen Darling, mm. um, but I didn't, couldn't go, which I'd never seen. And I couldn't go because I wasn't well. So, um, but I saw a little bit on TV and she just, it's where she sings, um, Zing Went the Strings of My Heart. Mm. And you know, she's very young and it's, it is kind of magical. So much as I admire her in the acting and, and she's very funny I mean, the Pirates, she's very, it's, it's a really great comic performance throughout. Um, so she's got all of that. Um, but it is the moments of the, the, the sad songs, or that we're not the scene when the strings of my heart isn't a sad song, it's, but it's the moments of the songs and particularly the sad ones. Even, even songs like Better Luck Next Time in Easter Parade, which is not a great song really, but it's so, it's so touching. And, and, and I, you know, again, I think the extraordinary ability of her to be fully in the moment. It's mm -hmm. like she's, you know, you, she's, she's not just, I don't know, it may be an illusion. You know, it may just be, it's artistry, but you feel that she, she the performer is fully in the moment of that character's emotion. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, it's, it's a rare, quality to have, I think. I was, um, you know, brushing up on this a little bit before talking to you. And it's so interesting because of all the qualities that one associates with, you know, her star persona and so on. The one thing that is, I think, not mentioned is the intelligence. Yeah. You know, yes, so, yes, yes. I mean, the camp is Yes, yeah, the wit sometimes is, the tragedy is, and so on. Yeah. But actually, you know, those things that you're talking about, to me, is yeah. a kind of intelligence. It's a quick Yes, yes, yes. An ability to read the moment and respond and yes, yes. the wherewithal to yes. respond. But, uh, but I mean, the other thing I love about her, actually, it, it, I think respond is such a good word. So although not only does she respond to the melody and the words, and then, and then if when it comes to action, you know, she responds to the, the words she's got to speak, uh, but she responds to the other actors. And I mean, she is the most, she's so interactive. And, you know, and there's that famous, and now it's become such a thing of um, gay culture, the famous duet of her and Barbara Streisand mm. uh, singing Get Happy and Happy mm. Days Are Here Again which is there are an incredible number of versions of that now there's a one of the gay men's chorus with just two two of the gay men's chorus singing it mm -hmm. and then i think it's the san francisco one there was a version in glee um and there was there's, there's a lesbian version um so i mean i'm sure there are lots of others I don't even know about mm -hmm. um, but what's fascinating about the original with barbara is that barbara does occasionally look at judy but Judy looks at Barbara all the time and clutches her and clings to her. And of course, it's it's reached a point where it's needy. 
so you could say that that i mean it's 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 moving and wonderful uh, but it's also got that slight sense of neurosis or something but then if you look back she's like that in all the films it's just a bit but it's so you know so responsive and it you know so tiny little responses like Lillian Gish is like this I mean these tiny little responses mm -hmm. to what someone is saying she's not just listening mm -hmm. this it's, and it, but it's not a kind of big great mine of, of response either it's just a little flickers of response to to the someone being oh you know like Mickey Rooney being a bit sort of bumptious or whatever it is it's just a little flicker of response to that mm -hmm. and or whatever you know in all the films there's that and it is Again, it's it's an extraordinary ability, I think. I mean, the thing with Streisand is that like they're almost opposites because yes, yeah. so self-absorbed, so self-contained. Yes, so yes <laughs> absolutely. I know. I know. Garland's always reaching out. <laughs> yes, I know. Absolutely, absolutely. I know it is. It is a fascinating. It's, I used to use it in teachings. I mean, it's, it's a fascinating example of what body language can suggest. Yes. Um, the other thing that just that you touched on was the connection to lesbianism, I suppose. So you write about her androgyny, and I think you make a distinction between androgyny of sex and androgyny of gender. Yeah, that kind of, you know, she doesn't necessarily evoke or represent kind of a, a, a sexual androgyny, but one of, of gender, yeah. And then there was kind of, you know, this thing about her relationship to gay men and, yeah, but, you know, uh, my understanding is that what's become clear is that she also had quite a large lesbian following. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. And maybe because of that, I mean, it is surprising how often she appears in male clothing. Yes. everything else, yeah? Yes. Films. And then, of course, the much more cropped hair towards the end. Yes. Um, uh, um, yes. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I know about it as I know... I think you've said all I know, as it were. Um, and you know, I, and there is a there was a there is a blog, I can't I can't remember, but which is I forget what it's called. It might even be called I Love Judy or something, which is a by um a woman who identifies as lesbian and who does and who actually says very nice things about me, but says, but you know, the one thing you've omitted is the lesbian following, and she talks about that. I mean, it'd be very interesting to know whether the same um features are as resonant you know what is is there a difference in what in which are some numbers picked out more than others but then a lot of things you might pick like in between or uh, and 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 protect it that's why i get happy and also the first number in star is born um you got to have me go with you are, are fascinating because they she wears the signs of male attire and but it but is you know but at the same time it's it's very feminine in fact um because of the you know the bare legs and and so on and so and so it, it's it's a kind of real it's not it's not so much i mean androgyny may even be a misleading word of, of mine i mean thinking about it now i don't know what one would word one would you well it may be non-binary but that would lead you in another direction yes um, but it is an interesting it's like a play on on gender identity um, a play on gender, which is very exultant. It's a very, and even even the other side of it, which is the, the the couple of swells. I mean, it's such a it's such an enchanting number um, that that again, there's a kind of 
enjoyment of someone who is in no way pretending to be a man, nonetheless wearing men's clothes. And it's, I mean, you could say that's a very interesting. And she's not even being a butch. I mean, it isn't that, but maybe it can be read that way. Maybe that is an appeal, I don't know. Mm. I mean, your mentioning of that number now makes me think also of her connection of how much tramps and clowns, <laughs> how much one associates that with her. Yes, uh, and the yes. significance of that. I mean, you know, what what do you think is the significance of that? Because, I mean, it really boils down to the one film and then her use of it in concerts. But yes, well, and and um, the end of the pirate, of course, ah, is the clown. Of course, yes. One. Yeah. So those are the two big ones. But I agree. Otherwise, in the rest of the, well, there are one. I mean, there are one or two other weird. I mean, things of course which I don't can hardly bear to sort of get into. But I mean, you know, so there is the black face in, is it Strike Up the Band? One of the yeah. films she's in black. And even some of the, even Get Happy, you know, it is, it's kind of a song really written to, for, for a black, the implications of it. I mean, we're going to the promised land. Well, okay, you don't have to be black to sing that. But even that, there is, a, there is another line in, I forget what it is, which is much more clearly within the tradition of Negro spirituals and so on. Uh, so and but there's also one I saw another one recently where oh it's in I think it's in uh, Summer Stop which is doing a whole oh dem this and dem that I mean she's not actually she's not in uh, blackface but it's using that kind of uh, African American dialect as it was in Hollywood so there is a whole other thing there that I'm not sure why I'm mentioning this but just that sense of um, of disguise I suppose and, and tramp and clown of course are I mean disguises. I think it's very interesting because in a way you could argue that, you know, these films, particularly the ones that draw on the South. Yes. Sexuality <laughs> and yes. blackface. It is a way of kind of shoring up whiteness or affirming whiteness or, yeah. Uh, uh, and yet alongside that, there is like, you know, this clown and this tramp and, and actually yes. even to have that associated with her is, you know, so the, I suppose my my thought is that there is kind of an affinity with you know the 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 marginal, the outsider. The, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. yeah. But even as it might affirm yeah. kind of whiteness, nonetheless, yes. yeah, it's doing so from a a kind of a point of I don't know if I, identification or connection or just something interesting there. I think. Right. 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 Okay. Well. One understands that um, one of the people that most befriended Lena Horne in uh, Hollywood was Judy Garland. Mm. And of course, there's, there is a, um, she's on one of in one of the TV shows, Lena. Mm. Um, but uh, so yes, I, I yes, I don't know. I, yes, that I think there is that affinity, uh, uh, but where but there is also the, there is also appropriation, yeah, of course. Um, and with, in relation to the. Uh, African-American tradition, which I don't think you can talk about appropriating. I mean, she is appropriating the clown tradition, if you like, but, you know, so what? There's no, you, we don't feel there's any power mm. grab or, or anything going on there mm. uh, inappropriate. But yes, I think there isn't. I think that's right. Um, I mean, the tramp is interesting because, I mean, I don't know much about it, but I think there is a whole history. Because after all, to be a tramp is... Well, it, you know, if I, don't, I mean, I've never been a tramp. <laughs> what do I know? Uh, but I mean, if you think about it, it's about sort of, it, you know, it's about 
depending absolutely on you know you sleep rough and you depend on poverty and you probably hungry half the time or more than half the time so in theory being a tramp is not great and also tramps were very badly treated most of the time and despised and and you know as being sort of not not respectable and so on but there is another tradition of the tramp being this sort of happy-go-lucky i mean i think there's uh, is it hallelujah i'm a bomb there's a whole lot of other things and of course it's the disney film lady and the tramp there's a whole other idea of the tramp that sort of happy-go-lucky tramp image uh, so presumably it's drawing on that. Um, so it's a kind of happy-go-lucky marginal uh, mm. image. Um, and that's, of course, a couple of swells is exactly Impressive, that. Yeah. Um, and the, cl the clown, yes, I don't know about, I mean, clowns as yeah. I mean, I always thought clowns are rather sinister, really. There's something quite <laughs> disturbing about clowns, really. Um, so she, it, I don't think there's anything of that in in the way Judy Garland takes it over. Hmm. I was thinking in relation to tramps that the figure of the tramp in you know very recent post-depression America would have been a kind of a, 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 an experience of many people and a well-known kind of figure and yeah, representing yes, yeah. particular things really. Yes. You know, one of the figures of the depression is the, all those tramps and trains. Yes, that's right. Yes, that's right. Yes. You know, so, so um, I don't know, there's a suggestion of, there's a, a democratizing element perhaps, I don't know. Yes, yeah, yeah. About the use of those figures. I want you to tell me a little bit about her singing. We haven't really touched on that. Yes, I wonder, it's so hard to talk about singing, isn't it? It's so hard to, um, I mean, I very seldom listen to her. So in, in a sense, I'm not, you almost say I'm not a fan. Mm. Uh, I like seeing her sing. Yes. And I like seeing her sing because I like the way her whole body, and not just the gestures, but everything, you know, the whole, you can see her body following the, the phrase and so on. So all of that. I mean, but, uh, but the voice is not compared to, you know, my favorite voices. I mean, Ella Fitzgerald or Peggy Lee or something like that. Then it's not like my favorite voice at all. I mean, it's interesting that she has a, the range. I don't. She doesn't. I don't know what her actual vocal range is, but she can. You know, she she's she's nearly on a par with Ethel Merman at one end, mm. um, and at the same time, she's uh, also able to have that kind of softness particularly in some of the ballad singing so there's a, there's that kind of range i don't know what you know high and low range she has um and obviously the she was often set up as kind of to be the, the voice of rhythm which of course is interesting it relates back to what we've just been talking about in relation to african-american culture again you know there's the, the famous um film she made with Deanna Durbin, where they're both singing simultaneously, very similar things, like wordless, but she's doing it in a kind of what I almost called scat or something, whereas uh, Deanna Durbin is more sort of, uh, what's the word for that? You know, that extent, you know, that sort of coloratura, yeah. so, and whatever it is, you know. So, uh, so there's all of that. I mean, one of the things I think, one of the reasons I often, I'm not, I often think there's a sense of strain in the voice, um, which is even, I sometimes think is not, it's actually not all that attractive. Mm -hmm. 
that can that when when she when she's there in front of you, it becomes almost part of the excitement that despite the strain, here she is giving out with the song. But it, it's a reason why I maybe I don't always I don't really listen. She's not somebody who I I actually listen to all that much. Yeah. Um, but I'm not sure I can say more than that, really. I mean, there's a kind of, at its best, um, it's slightly, it's, well, of course, interesting, it's slightly lower register. It's lower register. And she can do high, but it's not, it's not Deanna Durbin, mm. but it's not even Peggy or mm. Ella. You know, it's, mm. it's, it's, it's a slightly lower, low, it's sort of, I don't know, almost like quite a brown register, but what does that mean? It means something to me. It doesn't necessarily mean anything to anyone else. That's the trouble we're trying to talk about about it but I think it's quite interesting that it's not going back to the whole thing about uh, in between appeal uh, androgyny or whatever that it's it's not um it's I mean it's hard you couldn't singing like Diana Durbin or Jane Powell or Catherine uh, Grace and all of those big and of course you have to remember De Diana Durbin is a very interesting case which going back to Lana Turner Diana Durbin was a massive star mm. I mean and almost I bet most people don't even know who Deanna Durbin is, but she was a huge star. I mean, really, really massive. And for and had a lot, a very faithful fan following for about 50 years after she stopped making films. You know, I mean, she had incredible loyalty of fans. But you anyway, you could never mistake her voice. They're writing songs of love, but not for me. A lucky stars above, but not for me. With love to lead the way, I found more skies of gray than any Russian 